welcome to Lioness Podcast with me, your host, Jane Lyon, here to explore all the things that are spiritually queer, because I believe that those two words really encompass so much of me and who I am and also just everything that I teach and everything that I'm here to talk about. And I don't have like a specific topic for today. We're going to let things flow because I feel like I have a lot to say (laughs) and about mm, uh, probably literally 28 minutes ago, um, I was writing in my journal. My journal's right next to me. I've written about half a page. And it's funny because I'm writing, uh, I just really want to get into the mood to write a podcast. I just really want to get into the mood to make a podcast. And of course, as I start journaling, I start getting these ideas and then those ideas lead to other things. And then before I know it, I'm talking to myself. I do this a lot. I don't know if anyone else does. I'm like telling myself stories as if I'm preparing to tell them to someone else. And then I'm like, okay, Jane, I think it's time to get the mic out. I think it's time to record your podcast for the week. So hello, my loves. I am so happy that you're all here with me right now on the quantum tuning in. I have to start this episode today by just like uh, thanking you all like from like the deepest deep part of my heart that I could find in this moment. For like the way that you all received my podcast last weekend, like I was not expecting that you guys, I was not expecting that at all. When I finished making that episode last week and like publishing it, I I was like, my inner dialogue was like, it's okay, Jane, like it's okay to flop sometimes, like you can't hit them all out of the park like, it's okay. You know, I, I suffer from perfectionism. And, um, so I really sometimes have to just tell myself, like, just put it out there. Like, it's okay. And that's my advice for anyone who struggles with perfectionism at all. Like your brain is going to give you every reason to not put anything out there ever (laughs) because you're never going to be good enough. And in that episode, I did not think I was good enough. I did not think that it was really supportive to anybody. I felt like I was just kind of crying and venting the whole time. (laughs) But I just trusted my gut, you know. I posted it. The emails and the text messages and the comments just started flowing in. And that episode got more listens in one day than any other episode I've had. And I just got so much love from it. I was just so surprised, you guys. I was so surprised. And so many new followers and just people reaching out to me, just thanking me for my vulnerability. So yeah, I appreciate you guys. I'll be honest, waking up on the weekends with like no one around, like it's really fun. And then at the same time, it's a little bit weird. It's kind of like, what do I do with myself when I'm just, I've spent every Sunday with with a person. And so this morning I've been very like, 
hmm, what do I do with myself? And it's funny because I have a pretty full day. I have puja in about two hours. I've got to go get groceries. I have a big board meeting this afternoon. And I'm launching Sunrise tomorrow. So like I have plenty to do today, but I'm trying to just like enjoy my morning. It's so funny how on the weekends I just want to work and I just want to create and I just want to do stuff. So, you know, I sat down to journal. I was going to sit and read. I was going to meditate. I was going to try to do all of these passive Sunday morning things. And here I am making a podcast. My creative people out there, especially like my creative feminine people out there, want to know the number one thing that's going to kill your creativity? Working in a masculine 24-hour 9 to 5 schedule and forcing your creativity into a schedule. When I was a journalist, I, I loved that job. I loved it so, 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 so much. But it was weird because I would go to the office 9 to 5 and I'd be given assignments and I'd be doing research and all of that, but there would be days when I had no creativity, I had nothing, I had no spark, I had no juice, and I'd be sitting at my desk like scrolling through things, like looking for inspiration, pretending that I'm writing something, trying to research something. Like I had so many days when I had zero productivity and I felt terrible that I was like sitting there being paid an hourly and not writing anything. And then those times I would always have to pay it back in some way because then finally I'd get home, eat dinner, get in bed, 9 p.m. suddenly the inspiration hits and then I'm up all night writing. This is the creative feminine flow. And what I learned from that job is that you can't put your creativity into a vacuum like that. You cannot say, okay, from nine to five, my creativity is gonna be on, boop, and then I'm gonna turn it off, beep, and go be non-creative. It's just like, I don't know, I don't know how people do this. I don't know, I don't know how people do it. So I have to follow my creative flow. And following that creative flow really means like deprogramming. And it's been so much harder than I thought it would be, but deprogramming all of this patriarchal capitalism, which ingrained us, you guys. I don't even remember my first day at school. Do you? Monday morning, waking up, going to school, being productive, Monday through Friday, Fridays getting the freedom to relax and do whatever you want to do. All of that is so deeply ingrained in me. It's, and I'm trying so hard to deprogram it so that I can just live in my creative flow. And on the Thursday of this week, I had the whole day off. I wanted to go to the beach and I was so tired that afternoon. I finished up all my work that day around 11 and I was so tired and I was so torn. And I also felt like it's a Thursday. I should be working. I should be getting more done. But like, I don't have anything I need to do. So I was going to go to the beach, but I really just like wanted to lay down and sleep in like the middle of the day. And I'm still arguing with myself over these things. I'm still making myself feel guilty for wanting to take a nap in the middle of the day when that's something I never do. There's nobody around. Nobody cares. Nobody is going to even see if I take a nap in the middle of the day. Do I care? It's just so interesting the ways that I still beat myself up for not living the capitalist standard expectation of myself. Even though I've been consciously trying to break it. I've been consciously trying to break it so hard. Do you feel me, you guys? Do you feel this? So let your creativity flow. And this week, like, obviously Mondays, well, so when Tuesdays through Fridays is when I take my calls. And so those days I'm usually busy, but right now I don't have any calls on Thursdays. So I have this nice open day on Thursdays. And it's very interesting because if those days I'm not feeling a lot of creative inspiration, I feel like I'm not doing enough work. 
I feel like I'm not creative enough. If I don't come up with an idea for a reel or an idea for a TikTok or an idea for a post or a newsletter or, you know, all of the things outside of my actual teachings and classes that my work entails, which I love. I love that I get to be creative all day for my job. But there are so many days of the week when I don't feel that creativity and I kind of beat myself up for it. And what I have to recognize, and this is something that I love about being alone all the time, to be honest, and being single, is that yesterday morning I woke up. It's Saturday. I have the whole day open. I reserved myself a Hobie Cat, a sailboat, down in Mission Bay to go do some sailing by myself on Saturday. Because on Thursday, when I didn't want to do anything, when I didn't want to create, I thought, wow, I would love to go sailing. I'm going to schedule myself to go sailing on Saturday because a Saturday afternoon in a capitalist society feels like a totally appropriate time to go sailing, right? I wake up yesterday morning and I have so much creativity. I get on to share day 20 of summer summer sunrise yoga challenge, sent you guys a 10 minute ab hit, and then I finished all the work that I needed to do, and I was literally like, oh no, there's so much more I can do. I have so much more to do. And then all of a sudden, I get this idea, like downloaded all at once for a video series, reels and TikToks of asanas, for each chakra, which is something I've like, it's always been an idea floating in my head. It's not that, not that novel of an idea, but like the actual postures, everything, it all just landed. And I set up my camera. I hadn't even showered yet. You guys, I looked so gross. I just set up my camera, set up my yoga mat, choose out seven different outfits for seven different videos, write down all the poses I'm going to do. And I just spent an hour pumping out content. After that, I didn't want to stop, but I looked at the clock and it was noon and I had to start getting ready to go sailing because that's what I had scheduled myself to do. And I just keep on editing more and then starting to edit the videos and then looking up some other ideas and like I just I feel like I can't be pulled away from my work and this is like classic Jane might have had people who dated me in the past like um complain maybe about these aspects of me but this is me I could not be pulled away and I'm I'm like trying to get myself into the shower and I keep on getting distracted by another idea writing down another idea opening up my journal fleshing out another idea and finally I'm like standing there naked with a shower running still unable to get into it Time is running. Like, I'm realizing now I still haven't had lunch. I am a good 30 minutes away from the bay. I am going to be so far away from parking because it's a Saturday. And then I start thinking about how the bay is going to be so full of people because it's a Saturday. There's going to be so many boats in the bay today. I've never sailed a Hobie Cat on my own. I know that I'll be fine, but like, I don't want to manage like 40 other boats in the bay like last time when I took out a Catalina with my whole family and there was like hundreds of boats in the bay that I'm trying to like avoid and I'm not ready to just go out into the ocean yet. Like I'm, 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 I'm a Utah girl. Like I haven't gotten to sail in the ocean in a really long time. Bottom line, I was not in the mood to physically go man a sailboat by myself. That takes your entire body. And it's the my favorite. Like I was literally standing in the mirror like arguing with myself. Like 
your favorite thing to do, like one of your top five favorite things to do on this planet is sail in the ocean and you don't feel like it today. <laughs> like I just was like, you're insane. Um, but I had to, I'm really working on listening to myself. And I kept saying, are you going to make yourself go do this because you paid $35 for this? Yeah, it's $35 to rent a sailboat here. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. And they need no certification. They just give me the boat. Well, that's not true. The boat that I really wanted to go sail was a 420 at a different sports center. But that sports center, to rent a 420, and I know that this means nothing to any of you, they wanted me to pay for a two-hour private lesson that would be $150 before I spent $30 renting a 420. A 420 is what we would call a dinghy. <laughs> I raced dinghies in college. I raced tiny sailboats and I would be bored to tears if I had to hire someone to privately instruct me to do that and to pay that much money. I would, I would kick myself. So went to good old Mission Bay Sports Center, shout out. They don't give a fuck. They'll give you any of their boats, but they don't have 420s. And I really wanted to go play with 420. I don't, I've never sailed a laser by myself and I've never sailed a Hobie by myself. So I'm just like, I guess I'll go try these things out. But yesterday I was not in the mood. So I just email them. I email Mission Bay Sports Center, shout out. I really love this organization. Like I, I keep thinking I should get a job for them. Not that I need a job, but like it could be fun working there. I emailed them and I just said, hey, I know you guys have a 24-hour cancellation policy and I have a rental in two hours. I just wanted to know if I could reschedule it for Monday afternoon at the same time. Let me know. Thank you so much. And then I just said, okay, Jane, let go of the $35 and listen to what you really want to do right now, which was put on a face mask, take a shower, get all cute and dressed, go down to my new favorite coffee shop, Barely Buzzed. No, Better Buzzed. <laughs> and sit down there, have some lunch, and bust out all this creativity that is just like flowing through you and just keep doing it. Just keep going with this flow. And and so I did. And once I did that, all of that resistance and frustration I was feeling just released. And I just felt so much better. Flowed through my day. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. So the coffee shop that I love to go to, it's right next to the beach in, in kind of like a touristy part of La Jolla where there's tons of people walking around in these really beautiful beaches and just vibey, right? And also this coffee shop, they have an orange infused matcha that is so amazing. Yesterday I tried their mint infused, like it's like a mint cream iced coffee. Ooh, it definitely hurt my belly, but oh my God, it was delicious. I really like it there. Um, they have really, really good Wi-Fi, really good for uploading all my videos. So shout out to that spot. And then once I was done, you know, I, I felt like I was complete there. I still, it was so crazy. Like I, sometimes I feel crazy, you guys. I feel like I have this like natural Adderall chemical in my body. Um, coffee doesn't really change it much. I will also say that even like smoking weed sometimes makes it worse. Like it amps it up. And then I feel more like creative and crazy. You know, my laptop was really hot from sitting outside and I was really hot from sitting outside and I was ready to move on with that segment of my day. So I put my laptop in my backpack and I just went for a really long walk along kind of like, it's not really a boardwalk, but kind of along the edge of these rocky beaches. They're so beautiful. And just enjoying like this fucking life that I've created. Like I just was so happy. And then before I knew it, I was so 
sweaty and hot and I had to figure out where the hell I left my car and I wanted to stop on my way home at a dispensary, which I'm going to talk about today. Not exactly the dispensary, but I'll tell you about it. There was one dispensary in town. It's in, it's in Pacific Beach. It's called Cannabis. I felt like I was going to a bar. Like all the other dispensaries are a little bit more, not that I've been to that many in California, but all of the ones that are recreational kind of have a similar vibe. And this one like looked really cool on the outside, like looked like a bar, like a, a pub or something and had kind of like seats for everyone waiting to go through security to wait outside. And there was just like a line of like cool, hip, young people waiting to go in. And I was just like, this is so fascinating. And it's like a open shop place. Just this place was like packed with product, packed and it's all just out for you to look at. And I haven't really been to a lot of dispensaries that way. There, I've been to one in Washington that's that way where everything's just out. You can just play with it, look around, touch it, open it. Like everything's out. So I was like, fuck. At most dispensaries, you walk in, you tell them what you want and they'll like, they'll bud tend for you. They'll give you some suggestions. So I'm like, I'm going to look at every fucking thing in this place. and I'm going to be here for forever. <laughs> So I spent a really long time looking at things and choosing things. Um, and then I got home and now I had all this new product to just really ignite this like creative binge that I was on all day. So are you guys curious about what I got? I am going to talk about cannabis in this episode. So here we go. Um, my favorite thing, I'm saying that I'm like, I love, I have this like natural Adderall chemical in my body. Guess what kind of strain of cannabis I like to buy? Straight sativa. Shocker, I know. Golden pineapple is one of my favorite strains. And I got, well, I don't even have anything that I bought right in front of me. So I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna go through all of that. But I always go for something like that. Um, there's a brand here that has a strain called Create that I love. Um, it's very stimulating that way. And then of course I bought myself like a few nighttime sleepy mini pre-rolls for bedtime. I think that was all. I grabbed a couple of cartridges to take traveling with me. I like to have those stashed away just in case I need them. And uh, yeah, I came home, I made myself some dinner and I just kept fucking going. I just kept going. And what I'm, the point is that was a Saturday, you guys. I worked all day yesterday. I worked all day on a Saturday. I blew off going sailing, not because I'm a workaholic, no, because the creative inspiration was there and I had to follow it, I had to feed it. And I just keep on learning this lesson that we don't have to push it because it's 9 a.m. on a Monday, but to trust that it's going to keep flowing through you I'm here to serve. I'm here to create. I'm here to do amazing things on this planet. And there's I'm there's no way that I'm just going to stop creating because I never put the pressure on myself to create. I literally can't help it. <laughs> so here we are in the podcast that I can't help but create. So after last week's episode, one of you guys asked such a great question. And you requested that I make an episode about it. And I don't think I could make a whole episode on this topic because I don't have that much to say about it, but I'll tell you what the question was. And it was really, really cute because in my episode last week, I mentioned to you guys how I went and bought Pop-Tarts, okay? A lot of you really loved that little anecdote. She said, I loved what you said about buying Pop-Tarts. And I thought to myself, is that spiritual? 
And then I thought, I wonder if Jane could make an episode about what is spiritual and what is not spiritual because it feels like Pop-Tarts are not. And I'm completely paraphrasing whatever this commenter said. Like, that is not word for word at all what she said. It was along these lines of like, could you talk about like what's spiritual and what's not spiritual? And I said, I said back, I could make a podcast about this, but I could really sum it up in one sentence. If I have to ask myself if it's spiritual, then I'm already wrong. Bottom line. You guys, I don't want you asking yourself if something is spiritual or not. And this is why I have the hardest time with the word spiritual being considered a category or a niche or a way that you can be. Like when someone says to me, oh, I'm not really spiritual. It's like, okay, I accept that, but you inherently are. Like you are having a spiritual experience. You are a soul living in a body on earth. It is like the most divine experience you can have. You are inherently spiritual. Everything that you do. So I want to tell you why I bought those Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts are something that I had in my kitchen growing up. Pop-Tarts, Easy Mac, cereal, right? These these types of foods that remind us of our childhood. Pop-Tarts even remind me of being on the sailing team. I would go to regattas and I would just always have boxes of Pop-Tarts with me to like keep me fueled. I would keep them in my life jacket so that while I was on the water, I could just like down a Pop-Tart to like give me that sugar hit. I was, I was in college, you guys. I didn't know how to take care of myself. Don't judge, okay? They're just a nostalgic food for me. S'mores Pop-Tarts specifically. S'mores Pop-Tarts. If s'mores isn't available, I would have settled for a cinnamon, okay? Or sorry, not a cinnamon, a brown sugar. I would have settled for that. <laughs> but, um... Anyways, I haven't had Pop-Tarts in ages. You know, I try not to eat a lot of processed foods just because I know that processed foods are really bad for us, especially here in America. There's so much additives in our foods that are just really not good for us. And that is why I avoid processed foods, not because it's not spiritual, just because I don't want to eat more chemicals that are bad for my body than I need to. But this is where it gets fun. My teacher would say, if I said, oh, I can't eat Pop-Tarts anymore, they're bad for me, and I was getting really worked up, I was making way too much meaning about this Pop-Tart thing, right? And say that I went to my spiritual teacher and was talking to him about this. I can, and I love just to imagine what he would say, but he would totally say something like, you are making too much meaning out of this food that you are eating. And he would remind me that my body is inherently pure, and that no matter what I put in my body, my soul's essence will always stay pure. And that if I believe and hold on to this belief that eating something like a Pop-Tart is going to make me less pure or less spiritual, then I am latching on to something. I am grasping onto another reality and I am making that my truth. When as a Buddhist, as a tantric Buddhist, I like to practice that I am always a pure embodiment of a soul and that nothing here, no latte, no joint, no Pop-Tart, no burger can change that essence. I don't allow that kind of earth matter to change that. That's the universal perspective, okay? So in Buddhism, we always like to take a universal perspective, like a zoom out, big, big, big perspective. 
And then we like to zoom into a more relative perspective, okay, of like, I only have this body for one lifetime. So I'm going to make sure that I'm not being ignorant and that I'm being wise in the way that I take care of it. Does that make sense? This really leads me right into the cannabis conversation of, is it spiritual to use cannabis? That is not up to me to answer for you. Is it spiritual to drink wine? That is not up to me to answer for you. Is it spiritual to do cocaine? Do not ask me that question. <laughs> because my answer is going to be rooted off of a lot of trauma and judgment from my own past. So let's stop asking if it's spiritual and let's start asking ourselves, why am I making a judgment about this thing that I'm doing? What am I making it mean about me? I started smoking weed when I was 16. For the first time ever in my life that night, I felt relaxed. I felt like I could chill. I ate food and had the most epic experience. I tasted food for the first time, thanks to weed. I, I had a very, my eating disorder was fully inset the first time that I ever smoked. And actually, I think it helped me ease back on it because I started to taste food. I just loved it, you guys. My life was so much better with cannabis in it, but I felt guilty about it every day. I went to a school where no one was doing stuff like that. I had to go hang out with the kids at the private Catholic school to get the drinks and to get the weed. I didn't care for drinking in high school. I just cared for smoking weed. Then I moved to Oregon for college and just got even deeper. Luckily, a couple of years ago in Utah, medical marijuana became legalized. With my medical history, I was prime candidate to get a card. So I got a card and it was so interesting how getting a medical cannabis card and talking to an actual doctor about how much it's helped my EOE, this condition that I have where my esophagus closes up, even though I was buying off the streets. And he was like, oh, you're going to love having real products to use. You're going to love using actual medicinal products. That um, pharmacist, that doctor, like that meeting with him and then walking into the dispensary and like buying weed and then like going home and smoking it and like having such a good experience, all of a sudden my shame around using cannabis started to dissolve because I was using like really good product that like didn't make me feel burned out. It didn't make me feel yucky. Like it just, it changed and everything changed. And I started using cannabis in a much more responsible, conscious way. I was able to experiment with tinctures and with vapes and with other things to find out what I really like and what really makes me feel good. Fast forward, I get, a, I get my Akashic Records certification. And that certification required me to be sober for the nine weeks. And that was fine with me. But I noticed during that certification that I started to feel ashamed again, that I really missed using cannabis, that I was really excited to go back to that. And I was taught, and this is in the lineage of Linda Howe, who I really, really admire and respect, that if you use cannabis or if you drink, you won't be able to open the records within those 24 hours. And it feels really edgy to say this because I mean no disrespect to anybody, but I didn't feel that to be true for me. And I am not saying, and I advise highly against this, do not, I repeat, do not use cannabis or drink and then open the Akashic Records. Please do not do this. It is very, very unsafe. And I have had too many readings trying to help people who have done that. So please don't do that. But if I smoked yesterday and you want a reading today, I can definitely be a clear channel for you because I am always a clear channel 
no matter what. It's just not safe. It's just not safe to like mix that kind of stuff. That's all. That's all I have to say. So I noticed that some of that shame was coming back and I had to really, really work with that. I had to work with that. What is the shame? Why am I ashamed? Very much like I have a lot of deeply rooted homophobia inside of me. There's a, do you guys remember that video? Why do I feel like I brought this up on the podcast before? Of that, it's a commercial that we watched when we were kids of this girl laying on a couch and she's like deflated. She's like flat, this white girl, like her body's totally deflated. She doesn't have any bones and she's flat on a couch and it's like, this is what happens if you smoke pot. I feel like I have always been ashamed that if people knew that I use cannabis daily and that I have a medical card, that I'm gonna be looked at as some sort of dirty, lazy stoner. And that's not okay. It's not okay at all. There are so many people out there, geniuses out there who use cannabis every day. I listened to a really great podcast. I wish I could remember exactly who it was. Maybe I'll go find it. But he was talking about how actually we receive cannabinoids different depending on our genetics and that's why some people use cannabis and they don't feel a thing some people use cannabis and they feel fucked up and then some people like me use cannabis and they build an entire website write a new landing page film four yoga videos and god knows what else <laughs> play guitar for six hours straight <laughs> you know freshman year of college i was kind of one of the stoner girls in my dorms and people would tease me a lot i'd be high all the time and i remember one of the girls coming into my room i was getting high with some guys in my room and she came in and she's like jane we have a test tomorrow and i'm like yeah i know she's like it's a really big test are you ready and i'm like i'm ready and she's like i made some flashcards. do you want me to quiz you i was like fuck yeah quiz me let's do it and she's looking at me like and she's looking at our friends like <laughs> jane's really high we're about to make her look so dumb and right at freshman year a lot of us had classes together so everyone kind of was like i don't mean to brag you guys but I just want to speak to the people who get me. <laughs> I was high as fuck. And I answered every question on that girl's index cards perfectly. Because that's just how I am. Yeah, cannabis definitely makes some people dumb. I have seen it make some people really dumb. It just didn't do that to me. That, that moment actually is so pivotal for me. That moment in my dorms when that girl, she looked at me and she goes, oh, you're really smart even when you're high. And I was like, thank you. There's such a stigma against people who use cannabis and I'm so over it. I'm over feeling guilty. I'm over feeling ashamed. I'm over feeling like, and, I, and I'm not trying to say that I do. I just feel like I haven't been very upfront about the fact that I use cannabis every day, you guys. And I'm not ashamed of it. It's fine. It's a beautiful, plant that supports me. I love it. I had a call with a new client the other day and she was like, Jane, I smoke too much weed and I eat too much sugar and I need help. And I was like, girl, if that's the worst you got, you're doing pretty good, honey. I think a lot of us really beat ourselves up for like smoking too much weed or eating too much sugar, ordering too much, you know, delivery food. And I'm just like, if that's the worst you got, you're doing great, babe. Really. Stop beating yourself up. And what you need to do is what meaning are you making out of this? What meaning are you making out of it? So if I notice that I'm starting to wake up and get high and stay high and keep getting high and get high before client calls and get high between client calls and get high before I do everything, I'm going to start feeling not so great. I'm going to start making some meaning out of this cannabis that is the meaning of I am escaping my life. I don't want to be in my life. I am escaping. I am numbing out. But right now, the meaning of cannabis in my life is like fun, creativity, freedom, 
you know, free time. It's what I get to do in my free time. And it's funny because during the week, I try to avoid it. I got to stay focused on work. And then on Saturday is when I just let myself let loose. All of a sudden, I'm up all night working. So is cannabis spiritual? I don't know. I'm not the one to answer that question for you. I am not the one to answer that question for you, babe. What's it mean to you? I can promise you right now that if I went to my teacher, exact same story, I said, I can't stop smoking weed. I'm smoking weed all the time. I'm such an awful person. What do I do? Help me. He would look at me and he would go, stop, being, stop making it mean that you're an awful person. And stop pretending like anything that you put in your body is taking away from the pure essence of your soul and your loving and kind heart. He would say, I want you to be more worried about what's coming out of that mouth, my dear, than what's going in it. Are you being kind? Are you being loving? Are you being gentle with yourself? That's spiritual. That's spiritual. The thing is that we're on this earth to enjoy, you guys. We're on this earth to enjoy. And that's something that Buddhism always reminds me of. It isn't spiritual to be impoverished. It isn't spiritual to be an ascetic. It isn't spiritual to restrain yourself from all that you desire. It's not. It's also not spiritual to overindulge. It's not spiritual to be a glutton. It's not spiritual to obsess. So yeah, I totally want to go buy like five more boxes of Pop-Tarts, but I'm not going to. But was buying those Pop-Tarts spiritual? I think so, absolutely. Why? Because I'm here in San Diego to hear, heal my inner child, and buying those Pop-Tarts was supportive to my inner child. Does that make sense? My inner child wanted those Pop-Tarts. My inner child wanted to go sailing. My inner child wanted to go swimming in the ocean. I only answer to her now. That is spiritual as fuck, if you'd ask me. <sighs> well, I just love catching up with you guys. So yeah, California, you guys, I am loving it here. I'm going to the beach all the time. I'm realizing that I can't go to the beach and lay out and swim in the ocean like all day, every day. It's exhausting, which is probably why I wanted to sleep all day on Thursday. Um, and one of my friends, I've had one friend so far, shout out to Alex. I met her at my Authentic Relating Retreat and she reached out to me and she was like, Jane, I am still in San Diego. I would love to see you while you're here. Would you like to meet me at a curtain on Friday? And you guys, this girl knew exactly what to say to get me out. And what I loved so much about this invitation to meet someone at a curtain, and she just sent me the address, the time, the invitation, everything. It was so open. There was like really no commitment needed. And also she was inviting me to do something that was going to support me. She invited me to something where we could both fill our cups together. All I had to do was show up. And I was totally late because I was looking everywhere for parking. Um, and I walked in and I spotted her and she had left a little blanket next to her for me. And I was just so happy to see her and hug her and then be in that space next to her. I could tell that I was also supporting her. Like we were supporting each other by being there. And then afterwards we had some time to, you know, sit on the floor and connect and catch up and chit chat. And then of course wrap up and leave. Now, I want to share a little bit about what this curtain was like because um, I've done a lot of curtains, I'm saying with air quotes, but I haven't actually 
done a kirtan like this. The kirtans I've done have been in retreat settings where there's a group of us and we sing together. A yoga teacher training where we learn a few songs and we sing together. Nothing like this where there is a group, you know, a small band with their instruments, with their microphones, with everything, and then the devotees sitting in the call and response for two hours straight. This was my first real kirtan. I was at Yoga on State in Carlsbad and the tiniest little yoga studio, the door was wide open. I walked to the very back and it was just so warm and inviting. And the thing that I love about being a Buddhist, about being the spiritual person that I am is that I get to open my heart to all of these practices. I get to go into a bhakti yoga situation like a kirtan and and understand what's happening there. Their devotion is through song, is through chanting, is through the movement, through the music, through the vibration that they were creating. That's not far at all from the puja that I'm about to do in a couple hours here. Sure, they were chanting Sanskrit. I'm used to chanting Tibetan, but I could pick up on the Sanskrit pretty quickly. I was surprised at how many of the, the songs I actually knew. And how good it felt to sing and to harmonize and to move and to feel the vibration. And then I will tell you my favorite part. When the, when the song ends, when the chant ends and there's quiet. Oh my God. The like energetic vibration, the frequency, the blueprint that I was feeling in my body in those moments was so cool. The full body chills, just the amount of pleasure and openness that I was feeling, like every chakra blasted open, heart chakra open, flowing. I left there stumbling through the streets. Like I felt so high. I felt so high. I felt so clear. That day I had a headache. I had this really weird headache. I think I might've gotten water in my ears, you know, too much time in the ocean. We're adjusting. I had this really weird headache in my ear and I, and it almost prevented me from going to the kirtan, but I kept trusting. It's going to make you feel better. You're going to feel so much better once you get there. Just show up, Jane. And I always tell myself, just show up. And if you hate it, you'll leave. But I did not want to leave. I loved every moment of this, you guys. I even started thinking like, if I had found something like this before I walked into a Tibetan Buddhist temple, I might be living a completely different life right now. <laughs> like I'm this woman singing, the man and the woman, all of the people singing, everyone was singing. They were so incredible. I'm like, how, so how do I end up being you? You know, it was one of those moments of, yes, universe, more of this, please, please, more of this, more tiny yoga studios like this, more tiny spaces, please, more of this. I felt so amazing. I felt so blessed. I felt like my energy had just the most beautiful clearing. And just getting to share that moment with my friend Alex is just such a treasure. <sighs> you want to know where my mind just jumped to? There's this thing happening on TikTok right now. This bisexual made a video about why bisexual women always end up with men. And nothing in her video was really that groundbreaking to me. Like, I saw the video when it came out. I was very bored with it. I was like, yeah, comp het, got it, heteronormativity, got it. More straight cis men hitting on girls than gay girls hitting on girls. Totally normal. And then her third point was, and as a bisexual, hitting on a lesbian or you lesbians are terrifying. Something like that. And I just went like, oh, ow. 
that didn't feel good. And it's funny because those are the moments when I'm like, oh, I guess I identify as a lesbian, don't I? Because that hurt my feelings, you know? But response, lesbians, saying, this is so lesbophobic. Why would you say something like that? That video has gotten hundreds of thousands of views. And now all the gay girls on TikTok are fighting. I mean, gay white girls. I'm sorry. I feel like it's, I'm only saying gay white girls fighting. And they're fighting over who's more oppressed and who's more biphobic and lesbophobic. And it's making me kind of sad, you guys, because first of all, the lesbians are a very, very, very small portion of the queer community. There's not a lot of lesbians out there. We're a small portion of the community and we have been made to feel like we are predators our entire lives. And so for this bisexual creator to say that we're scary, it's hurtful. It reinforces this fear that we are predatory and that girls see us as predatory, which is why I don't hit on girls ever, in case you were wondering. But the other thing is that bisexuals are a huge portion of the female queer community. And so it was just interesting to me that the bigger group would kind of marginalize the smaller group and say that we're intimidating and that like almost like it's our fault that there's not more women loving women relationships in the world because we're scary and we're intimidating. Like, And I just keep seeing that video because everyone's fighting about it now. Everyone's saying, well, this is bi-erasure and this is biphobic because now lesbians are making videos about how they don't want to date bisexual girls because bisexual girls are inherently polyamorous and lesbian girls are not. It's just messy, you guys. And I'm just like, this is making me sad. This is making me really sad. I'll probably have to make a video about it today because we're all marginalized, but also these are all white girls arguing about who's more marginalized and who's more oppressed. None of us are. We're white queer people, so let's just get off our fucking high horses and get over it. I'm sorry, but I feel like the BIPOC queer community has got to be looking at these videos just like laughing at us like, these fucking white bitches. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that sounded really, really harsh. These are the thoughts that I have inside of my head sometimes. You know, when I see these girls arguing about who's more oppressed when neither of us are that oppressed. Bisexual girls also have the privilege of being in heteronormative relationships. They have the privilege of staying in those safe space, which is, I think, why her, she said her third reason was fear. In that video, I thought that she was going to say fear because it's scarier, you know, to be in a lesbian relationship, to be in a girl on girl relationship. You are going to be treated differently. Chances of you being acted with violence are much higher. So I totally thought this creator was going to be like, reason three, fear. We're safer if we stay in heteronormative relationships. We're safer if we just date men. We don't have to deal with the oppression and the violence that queer people go through if we just enjoy the heteronormative side of our sexuality. And that is not what she said. That was not her third point. Her third point was that lesbians are scary and that we're too intimidating to talk to as if lesbians make up the whole community of queer women. It's funny, before I started this rant, I wasn't that hurt by this girl's video. Like it hurt my feelings, but I understood what she was saying. And now that I've deliberated with you guys, I'm like, that video was really hurtful. It really was. 
But I think, and this is what I wish that I could say, to, this is why queer spirituality is so important to me and why I'm just going to die on this sword. These girls that just keep on coming back, keep on firing back at each other, you are coming from such a deeply wounded place that you should just stop making content because you're not serving anybody. You're creating more frustration and anger and divide within the queer community, especially among women, when you keep on responding to all of these comments and posts fighting back. When what we really need to do is notice how wounded we are, how homophobic we are inside, and deal with that on our own terms and I don't know, be nicer to each other, like apologize to each other. Like if you dated a bisexual in the past who cheated on you because she was polyamorous and not upfront about it, that's not any bisexual's fault. That is that person's fault. If you dated a lesbian who was intimidating and mean and possessive, been there. That's not because of the whole lesbian community. That's just her fault, okay? So a lot of these creators, they're getting on and they're saying, this is how I feel about bisexual people because of the bisexuals I've dated. This how, is how I feel about lesbian people because of the lesbians I've dated. I have not dated enough men and women to make any kind of generalizations about anybody. I'm working on rebranding this show. I want this show to be more focused on what I'm talking about right here, queer spirituality, everything I'm talking about in this episode. And I'm curious... As a listener, I want you to message me. I know that a lot of my listeners are what we would call cishet, which is not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. It just means that you're the gender you were born with and you're straight. I know that a lot of my listeners identify as straight and don't identify as queer. And I want you to answer me this question. If this episode, if this show becomes more and more and more about queer spirituality, about all things spiritual and queer, will you feel left out? I really want to know because I feel like I have been trying to scream at the top of my lungs that the queer community is an open community and that our doors are open and that we include everybody. And that just because something is queer doesn't mean that you don't get to go. If that were the case, <laughs> the gay bars in Salt Lake City would actually only have gay people in them. The gay bars in Salt Lake City tend to be full of mostly cishet people. But I'm not complaining about that. Well, I do complain about it, let's be real. But I'm not angry about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not mad about it because queer culture is an open place and everyone gets to borrow from us. Drag queens are literally the trendsetters of everything, every trend you've ever known, every fashion you've ever seen. Also, lesbians are the trendsetters of basically every trend you've ever seen because we share our culture. Our culture is for everybody and the queer community is open for everybody. And if you want to be a true queer ally, then you listen to the content that we make and you listen to the things that we're here to share and you know that you get to be a part of it. I think that queer spirituality is for everybody. I think that we all have so much to learn through these teachings that I have been spouting off about for the last year I've been making this podcast. So yeah, things are, things are changing, okay? So I want to know. I want to know how that makes you feel. Okay, here's the last thing I'm going to say. And it's funny, I thought I would talk about yoga a lot more in this episode, but I think we might make a different episode about yoga for a different day. I love yoga. I love asana yoga. I love breath work. I love meditating. It changed my life. It healed my body. Oh my God, I had this whole other topic I wanted. Okay, we're going to talk about it on next week's episode. Next week, we're going to talk about how yoga and meditation changed my body. 
healed my body, changed my body, and made my body and my mind and my soul the mind, body, and soul that it is today. Yoga. (laughs) This is the last week of the Summer Sunrise Yoga Challenge, okay? If you purchased the challenge because you are not a Sunrise member, you are going to lose access to it at the end of this week on August 12th, okay? You're going to lose access to the challenge. Now, no worries, no stress. All you need to do to get access to the challenge is to become a member of Sunrise. It's only $60 a month. I have officially clocked 150 videos on my virtual yoga studio. I am blown away. I have over 100 full body asana yoga replays. We now have the 30 day yoga challenge on there with all of your 45 minute full body asanas and then your prana meditation classes that include journaling prompts. We have a long ass list of specialty classes and then a new topic of minis because I've been making so many mini classes, mini lectures, mini talks, ab hits, spinal hits, all of these different things to support you and your practice to get everything that you need on demand. And if you've been loving my live classes, we're going to keep up with the live classes, not every day, but twice a week while I'm traveling. So I'm going to take y'all to Portugal with me and we're going to do some yoga together while we are there. So the doors of sunrise are opening tomorrow, August 1st for only two weeks. Okay. I'm closing them before I leave to Portugal. They're only going to be open for two weeks so that you can get in there, sign up, start learning about the program, start getting settled into this new home base, this virtual yoga studio finishing up the last week of the challenge with us and then you'll have all of that replay content waiting for you there inside of sunrise if you missed any of it you'll be able to catch up to it you'll be able to go back to it it's all going to be there for you forever also meditation mastery my six-week meditation course is in there um everything's in there it is all in there my seven-day ayurveda challenge that is also inside of sunrise so um yeah basically everything is in there So if you're ready to get into your yoga, if you're ready to get into your meditation, your pranayama, whatever it is, even just journaling, it's all in there, okay? So you can go to the link in my bio that will be activated on Monday morning when the doors open. You can click on it, go sign up, $60 a month to have me as your private yoga teacher. And right now my favorite thing is my specialty classes because you can email me, you can DM me, you can voice message me, you can send me a video letting me know what you need, specifically what you need in your practices, in your yoga. And then I make specialty videos just for you. So there's tons of specialty videos already in there just from things that you guys have already requested, but you can't get this off of a YouTube yoga teacher. Your YouTube yoga teacher doesn't even know you exist. They don't care about you. They don't see you in their live classes. They're not making content specifically curated to your needs. That's what I'm doing here in Sunrise. The warmest yoga community on the World Wide Web, okay? Okay, I think I have said enough. Woo, that was fun. That was fun. It is time for me to get ready for puja. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for sharing your time and your space with me. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Go spread your love. Go spread your light. Go and be the joy to the world. Mwah.